man got on my nerves. Welcome back to Night Cheese. This is Steven. And I'm Tim. And I'm Jared. And we welcome you back to our continued journey through Zack Snyder's uh, DC Universe. Um, we'll be uh, making a little journey through his directed films from DC Comics, as uh, well as a few other um related titles sprinkled in uh we are counting down the weeks to his uh, justice league snyder cut release on hbo max so uh if you joined us last week for our episode titled regular guy of steel that was his introduction and the introduction into the dc universe with uh 2013's uh film man of steel we're now uh, moving up to the 2016 um highly debated batman versus superman dawn of justice um Released in 2016, um, there are theatrical and ultimate editions of this film. The ultimate edition adds about 30 minutes of context, pretty much with additional scenes. Um, we may be discussing some of the differences between them tonight. Um, nevertheless, the ultimate edition is available on HBO Max, so uh, go check that out, as, um, uh, along with any of the other DC films you may want to watch. Um, so this film, directed by Zack Snyder, written by uh, the pairing of David S. Goyer, who also wrote Man of Steel and a few other films. We talked about him last week. He's a he's a companion of Chris Nolan uh, with a lot of his, his films, and also uh, a name I had not recognized um, before, Chris Terrio, who uh, apparently, to to very little surprise, uh, given my reception of this film, uh, also a writer on the last Skywalker Star Wars film, uh, <laughs> Rise of Skywalker. Um, yeah, it shows, out. yeah, yep. his, I'm going to guess um, narrative cohesion was his department in, in both <laughs> films. Uh, more on that later. Uh, and, and, and I say that with, with lighthearted, but sincerity, because, uh, you know, I, I, I can hardly write a sermon, let alone a screenplay. So um, anyway, uh, this is the most divisive film I think we've ever discussed in Nietzsche's history, at least statistically, when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes scores. The critics gave uh, Batman v Superman a 28 percent and the users gave it a 62 percent, uh, which is also reflected in the IMDb and Metacritic scores as well. The IMDb score skews toward the users at 6.4 and uh, the Metacritic skews toward the critics. Um, at 44, um, you know, all of the cast from, well, not all of the cast, but, um, many of the cast from man of steel, um, returns Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, Diane Lane, Lawrence Fishburne, um, and, and a couple of others here and there. Um, you get a cameo from Kevin Costner, which doesn't make a lot of sense. We'll get that later. Um, but also some newcomers to the DC universe are Batman for this universe is Ben Affleck himself. Um, and we also have a Lex Luthor now in the story played by Jesse Eisenberg and um, Batman's uh, trusted um, advisor and uh, Butler Alfred is played by the great Jeremy Irons. And then um, Gal Gadot, uh, who we will confirm next week when we cover Wonder Woman. <laughs> if that is indeed the pronunciation <laughs> of her last name. I actually just looked it up and it's even more confusing because it's not, Stop it. it's not good. She says it's not, this is her even talking and saying it's not Godot and it's not really Godot. She said it's a soft, a soft T. So um, there's a YouTube What's video. softer than Godot? Uh, but, but the T is Godot? there. The, the the T is there, but it's soft, and I have no idea what that means. There was actually <laughs> there was actually a YouTube video on the page of her showing how to pronounce it, but I'm not going to watch that. No, 
All right. Yeah, I, I'm. I try. I normally try to be so respectful in the pronunciation names, but that sounds like a, a lot of work, frankly, for a little payoff. So, um, <laughs> the the super talented and 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 trust me, as far as heroes go, probably walks away from this wreckage of a film. The cleanest right. is is Gal with yeah. Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so we'll talk about her later. And then uh, also. Um, uh, actor Scoot McNary uh, plays a uh, supporting character who is relevant to the plot for a while named Wallace Keefe as well, a, uh, a, an employee of the Wayne Foundation. So um, I have been waiting ever since uh, I began my research on this episode, uh, which, by the way, welcome. I do not uh, I, I did not announce the, the title of tonight's episode, uh, which uh, we, we lovingly uh, are calling How I Met Your Martha. Um, so you either know and appreciate that already, or you're just going to write this off as being weird. And that should just tell you all you need to know about how much you're ever going to enjoy our podcast. So, (laughs) um, now anybody who's been listening for the past, uh, since our, since our revival, so to speak here of night cheese, which we're coming up on, on a year, Tim, of, um, of, uh, returning to the podcast. That's, um, hopefully nothing will yeah. stop us now, knock on wood. So, um, at this point I usually go over the awards that a film is nominated for or <laughs> has won. And we know from man of steel that Henry Cavill won an MTV movie award last, last time for best hero in which he bested both Chris Hemsworth, Robert Downey Jr. And Martin Freeman. So high stakes, the sky's the limit here. For uh, Batman v Superman, um, I hate to break it to all our listeners. Um, this film didn't really win any recognizable awards. It was, however, nominated for a. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Before I, I need to get in the zone here. It was nominated for for that year a record eight Razzies, <laughs> which uh, which is the. Golden Raspberry Awards, which is a parody awards ceremony that honors the worst films the industry has to offer in any particular year. It's usually paired right up with the Oscars every year, and it is a pretty fun, I mean, tongue-in-cheek, and some some actors actually show up to them from time to time. I remember Sandra <laughs> Bullock did that one time um, and had a good laugh with, with the people there and stuff, and it was kind-hearted, but... Um, it actually won four of the awards it was nominated for. Wow. <laughs> so um, it happened to win. And if you want to know who the other nominees they beat, just stop me and ask me. I don't plan on saying that. I'm going to tell you who won the the categories that they were nominated for but didn't win, Fair. which is my favorite part of this whole thing. So Anyway, um, so Batman v Superman won the Razzie for Worst Supporting Actor, uh, given to Jesse Eisenberg. Um, It won Worst Screen Combo for Cavill and Affleck. Interesting. Um, Which, you know what, I don't know. I I will will list, I'm going to list those. Because honestly, for as much grief as I'm going to give this movie tonight, I don't know that they were terrible in their in their uh, um, chemistry together. I I really think the biggest issue with this movie is the script. Um, But anyway, they beat out, quote, any two Egyptian gods or mortals in Gods of Egypt. Um, 
Johnny Depp and his vomitously vibrant <laughs> costume and Alice through the looking glass. <laughs> the entire cast of once respected actors in Collateral Beauty, um, Tyler Perry and that same old worn out wig in Boo Amadea Halloween, and Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson in Zoolander 2. Wow. Um, so stiff competition. Yeah. Um, there and, uh, Cavill and Affleck pulled out the win there. So, uh, and then they also won worst screenplay shared by, uh, Terrio and Goyer, and then also won the worst prequel remake ripoff or sequel, um, award, which they beat Alice through the looking glass, 50 shades of black independence day resurgence, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of the shadows and Zoolander two. Um, so beat, beat all those films for worst sequel, AKA whatever. Now the piece de resistance, uh, it was also nominated for worst picture, worst actor twice, both Affleck and Cavill were nominated for worst actor Ouch. individually and worst director. Snyder was, was, was directed, was, um, uh, was nominated for worst director. However, it lost all four of those awards to the same film, which was Hillary's America, the secret history of the democratic party. <laughs> wow. They lost worst picture to that. And the worst actor award winner and was a, as a double, uh, a double threat actor and director was a far right conspiracy theorist and commentator Dinesh D'Souza. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So they were really outmatched. I yeah. Mean, right. He was, he was a tour de force and, um, that, yeah, that's yeah. one where they could they could go away, you know, holding their head high or low, I guess, in this case, <laughs> knowing knowing that nothing they could have done could have beaten that out. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, in the year 2016, a Hillary hit piece film like you're just not right. Whew, yeah. Oh yeah, goodness. exactly. So um surprised the film wasn't called weekend at big gazis or something like it's it's just (laughs) oh that road itself and they just they just passed right over it yeah hillary's america okay well (laughs) um i will say before we get into the plot of things and stuff um the the box office on batman v superman is a really interesting thing to live through um so it opened uh, domestically to $166 million its opening weekend. Um, it broke the Hunger Games record for the highest weekend debut in March. And for a spring release, broke Furious 7's record for the highest Easter weekend debut. And it broke Man of Steel's record for the highest opening weekend for a Superman film. And the Dark Knight Rises record for highest opening weekend for a film based on a DC Comics property um, and a Batman film. Um, it's $422.5 million worldwide opening broke the Avengers record for the highest worldwide opening weekend debut for a comic book film. Um, but because I'm petty, I'm going to let everybody know that that record was broken three times by Marvel films after that, by Infinity War, by Captain Marvel, 
and by uh, Avengers Endgame. So Endgame would have been obvious anyways, given what that film did. But anyway, so uh, but at the time, really impressive. And then the second week came. So it pulled in 166 million in its first week and it dropped all the way to 51 million in the second week. Um, a really huge drop off um, between the first and second weekend. And obviously those critic reviews really did repeat viewing in. I mean, the film itself also probably contributed to that some as well, for being honest, but nevertheless, a, a really, um, People really saw sad. it. People yeah, saw yeah. it. And then everything was going well until people saw it. <laughs> oh, man. People saw more than the trailer. And then, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> um, it, it finished out the year, the eighth highest grossing film of the year. It um, One thing that was fascinating, you know, we talked about... Uh, I can't remember if it, maybe it was Man of Steel at this point because we were talking about Disney really getting their sort of chokehold on the film industry. Well, they really had it this year. They had one, two, three, four, five, uh, six. Six of the top ten films were Disney Studios um, that year. And if you count Deadpool now, being from Fox, they have seven of them. Um, but yeah, uh, Finding Dory, Rogue One. Uh, this was also the same year Captain America Civil War came out, which I'm sure I will not be able to contain myself to make that comparison before mm, the end of the yeah. episode. Um, the Secret Life of Pets, the the live-action Jungle Book remake, Deadpool, the R-rated Deadpool was the sixth highest-grossing film of the year. Um, the Disney film... Go ahead, Jared. I was just going to say, I, I'll have to look this up while we're talking, but I believe originally they were supposed to come out on the same day civil war oh they were yeah okay you okay you already got this never mind all right no no i don't have it in the notes i'm just saying you're correct they um and we'll pause to go ahead and talk about that now because they i'm I'm, now as good a time as ever um they announced dc actually announced first i think think, yeah i think so yeah for civil war's release date Mm-hmm. to open in May because and they ended up pushing up they ended up uh, blinking uh, with Marvel mm-hmm. and and moving off their date and moved it up two months um, to to not have t- that competition uh, who knows what the box office would have been like at that point for especially for Batman v Superman but um, yeah BVS 8th uh, Suicide Squad 9th and then The Force Awakens was 10th um that you should note though this is for the year 2016 so um force awakens is released at the end of 2015 so it's just you know it's leftovers from from the force awakens um and it's still if you count the the in-year release uh box office receipts it still finishes number eight um um, there as as it is that pretty it pretty much just takes uh um Force Awakens out of the top ten list and replaces it with uh, that that kids movie Sing, which by the way, not bad. Um, anyway, so yeah, those are all the uh, those are all the stats on Batman v Superman. Um, so let's uh, lock and load and um, start unloading on this thing. Um, Tim, Jared, which one do you want to go first? Um, on your where your your journey and your complicated toxic relationship with this film. 
I'll tell you what, I'll go, I'll throw in just, uh, you know, a lot of times we, we talk about how we found our way to the movie. I mean, obviously I think on the, the heels of man of steel, it's not hard to figure out how, um, we found our way to the movie. I'll just say, I remember, um, I remember as we talked about last week after man of steel, like being hopeful that maybe they could follow up on man of steel and improve from there. Since then I've learned that, it, it rarely ever gets better after the first one. Like if they, <laughs> if they don't have a good foundation for it, you know, if anything, it's probably going to yeah. go downhill. If you're lucky, maybe it'll stay at about the same level. Very rarely do you get something like a Terminator two, which improves on the first one. So I, I no longer go in you thinking know, about, it. especially for superhero films. I heard someone say the other day and I, and I, and I wager to say that this is true so far Anyways, even including Marvel, DC, all of them, I think the Captain America franchise might be the only superhero franchise that has only progressively gotten better. Right. As it's gone right. along. Yeah. And and as soon as as soon as I then said that, I'm like, well, wait a minute. We just talked about, you know, Captain America and they definitely, you know, you can kind of quibble over which was better Winter Soldier or Civil War or whatever. But I think definitely most people would agree that that the sequels improved on the first one um, yeah. anyway. Uh, but so, I, you know, at that time I was still like, OK, you know, Man of Steel was solid in most areas. I liked it better than most people. Maybe they can learn from some of the feedback and um, get better and make it less less dark. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> That didn't happen. Uh, and so then as soon as they announced Batman v Superman, it kind of goes back to what I said on a on a previous podcast where we were talking about IPs and how they, you know, studios can't just let them be what they are. They're like, oh, we've got to make this more. We've got to take this, you know, Earth Final Conflict show, which is kind of like a Star Trek. And we've got to make it more Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We've got to make it more Matrix, whatever. And you just you just see this over and over. And and you see that in, I think, in the, the tone uh, and the aesthetic of Man of Steel. But then they took it a step for, of, of where they were, you know, sort of looking at it like, oh, well, this you know, the Batman movies were successful. This must be why they were successful. We'll just, we'll just throw this veneer over Superman and go that route. So, um, they didn't learn from that mistake. They doubled down on it to the point where they're like, yeah, maybe it's just that Superman's boring and people don't really like him. Let's just, rather than having a Superman sequel, Man of Steel sequel, let's just bring Batman into it. It'll be Batman V Superman. And so we'll, we'll do it that way. It'll be really more of a, you know, Batman vehicle than, um, than a Superman sequel. Um, so as soon as we got to that, I'm like, Oh no, Oh no, this is, <laughs> this is, this is not going to go well. Uh, little did I know how badly, but, um, that, that was my, that's what I remember most from the lead up to the movie. Tim, what about you? Yeah, so I, you know, I had a probably similar trajectory in the sense, yeah, I was kind of excited, but then when I kind of heard what they were doing with it, you know, once it was announced like Batman versus Superman, and just, you know, having our like Jerry's saying, having already seen films where much of the film is just setting up future films and not really focusing on its own story and characters. Um, I get, yeah, same thing. I got really nervous, and then uh, when I did hear how poorly, you know, critics 
liked it. Um, I actually didn't see it in theaters. I, I, I maybe I, I still wanted to, but I, I don't know what happened. Why at that time I just wasn't able to. Um, but I have I, the way I did watch it. And I'll be honest, I don't remember much of, of viewing, but I had this tradition. I used to travel a lot with work and, um, on longer flights, I, you know, watch some of the movies that I really was curious about, but then I'd always save like one slot for something that probably isn't going to be any good. You know, like just kind of one kind of throwaway film. And I watched it. I watched it like that. I did that. I can, I counted that. <laughs> and I was right. It was, I was just so disappointed, but at the same time, you know, rewatching it for this episode, I had forgotten so much. And like, you know, we were joking before the, ep- you know, during the week, like maybe it was just because of my mind was just, it was just worthless. I wanted to block it out. I don't know why, but I finally watched it again for um, <laughs> for this uh, this recording. And I, I think the since watching it, well, while watching, but since watching, I just get progressively more more, more upset um, and more mad. <laughs> and in the past, it's like if there's a film that I, I may not have liked earlier, usually I come around a little bit, or there's something I can kind of glean and appreciate. And this one, I just, the more I think about it, the more I just think what just a waste, complete, you know, waste of a film, wasted opportunity. I'm, I'm, I'm so mad. <laughs> and, 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 and that was me. I'll, I'll go back and say that was me that, that was having trouble finding this on HBO max in the first place, because I kept searching justice <laughs> yeah. league ultimate edition. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then I realized like, Oh wait, no, 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 this is Batman V Superman. And so I, I my, I compared it to, um, WandaVision where it's like, I just created this reality where I just, you know, blocked it all out. And in in my little pocket reality, Batman V Superman does not exist or it's Mm. been transformed into, into something else. It has been exiled beyond the borders. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, I, I did not see, like man of steel. I I wasn't adopting a child this time, but um, I did not see it in the theaters. I actually, um, shout out to one of my, uh, work friends, JD. Um, he took me to see it in, uh, the dollar edit th- when it was in the dollar theater. Um, because at this point I had already kind of given up on being spoiled about it and stuff. And, and I was like, really? Like, I'm like, I'm morbidly curious at this point. Um, so I saw it there, but I will say, I had a consciousness about it, you know, before it came out and I still remember, um, I don't know how vividly cause I'm probably going to get some of the details wrong, but there was a summer, I'm guessing it was the s- summer of 2015. I'm get, uh, I guess, um, yeah, it had, that had to have been it, um, at comic con where they had this super secret, um, well, they had a Marvel panel and they had a DC panel and the people at Comic-Con, um, got an exclusive to see an infinity war trailer like two years before the film came out. So like there were these, there were these random internet rumor reports of Thanos using, throwing a moon at somebody. And I'm like, what, you know, like, what is that even going to look like? And so I'm like scouring Reddit and stuff, trying to find pirate footage of that. Mm -hmm. And, and the night that I was trying to figure that out, Warner brothers just drops a trailer for Batman V Superman. And I'm like, Ooh, wow. That's, is it bold or is it desperate? I don't know. Well, let's find out and see. So, I can't remember, you know, I might be getting some of my details mixed up, but I remember seeing a trailer with them and then 
having a complex variety of emotions. I'm like, ooh, okay. Like Affleck doesn't look bad. I was not I was not upset at, at Affleck's casting announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember mm-hmm. some friends of mine uh, and some mutual friends of ours, Jared, not being particularly happy about it. And I'm like, have you guys learned nothing from from Heath Ledger? Exactly. Like, you know, right. like wait to see it play out. And and he's not he he's not a bad Batman. Um, more on that later. Um, so anyway, <laughs> but he. Um, but I remember seeing, you know, some of the footage uh, and, and the stare downs and stuff. And I'm like, boy, this is dark. OK. Um, and then it was the trailer that spoiled Doomsday. That oh, uh, yeah. was the one I saw. And then I just got upset. I'm like, mm. oh, no, this is like I'm going to channel my inner and outer fat person here. Like this, like it, this is like if you had the choice between having a really good like steak dinner or going to a buffet, like you could load your, even if the buffet has all your favorite foods, even the best version of all your favorite foods, you can't take them all for the value that they're worth because you'll just get overstuffed and then you won't enjoy any of it. And that's what this movie felt like just from the trailer. I was like, Oh no, because I remember um, I had just come all, a few months removed from my second child coming home from Uganda, and during that time, I had watched the animated um, film of The Dark Knight Returns, which, by the way, I think is also on HBO Max. If it is, go watch that instead of uh, Batman v Superman. If you want a Batman v Superman story that is more cohesive has more of an emotional center to it, uh, makes more sense, uh, and, and all kinds of things and isn't, and probably has a better score. Um, just, just go watch that. It's, it's really good. Um, so I can already tell they're pulling that story. They're pulling the death of Superman story right? and they're combining. And I'm, and I'm just like, why, why are you doing this? And, and, and that, and that comes to the one of the core problems I have with the DC universe in general is they are they're They're not patient. They're not patient with their own material and they don't have, not that he's some, some deity or anything over at Marvel, but they don't have a Kevin Feige. Um, they don't have somebody who has eyes on every property to make sure things make sense. If you're building a universe, um, and he, um, DC has really, if you, if you strip away both of these cinematic universes and just come back to the stories, have some of the better heroes, definitely have some of the better villains, um, have some of the better stories, um, have some of the better super groups, like all this kind of stuff. And, 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 and the, what they have to show for it by comparison is, is more like, Hey, look at all these, it's like transformers. It's like, Hey, look at all the toys you played with thrown up on the screen. You mm-hmm. don't really, you don't really need a reason to love them because you already do. Right. Um, and, and I think that that is the biggest problem. Like, I think they give us too much credit for loving characters when you really actually have to earn that now, you know, this, Mm -hmm. this isn't Christopher Reeves, Superman or Michael Keaton's Batman. Like we're not going to geek out just because we see them on screen now. Yeah. Yeah. Like to, yeah. Like to use a sports analogy, it, it, it feels like, 
a team of superstars because and and they do have the mo- the more powerful heroes you know superman yeah. wonder woman uh, a team of superstars that's poorly coached and um there's no chemistry versus uh a team that doesn't have that level of talent but they're um you know they've got a great coach and kevin feige and uh, a lot of chemistry and cohesion so yeah. So the Detroit Lions and the rest of the AFC North. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, no, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, yeah. I, w- I was going to try to throw a punchline. I almost said the Falcons instead yeah. of the Lions. <laughs> Anyways. But, I, feel um, like what, I feel like what DC was trying to do was essentially cram like five Marvel films into one film. Like I feel like with a lot of those, some of the reason you really care about the characters and care about the conflicts is because you know the characters so well. And this one, you yeah. literally meet Batman and this – this is like a the intro to Batman again, and you barely know right. you know you barely know him. It's just kind of instead of kind of establishing why I, they kind of give hints. And I mean, obviously, like with you know Metropolis being partially destroyed, you can see question. You know, you can see that Batman or Bruce Wayne is upset, and you can see why he would be um, angry. There's like there's a little bit of that motivation there, but none of the actual like digging into that and really kind of wrestling with that. It's just like, you did this, you should die automatically. I mean, there's no, there's none of this sort of like, I don't know, actually wrestling with it. I don't know. It just, it felt well, like just immediate uh, determination. Let's do this thing. So <laughs> yeah, I, 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 we're going to go ahead and just, you know, you take the childproof cap off, cap off of the Marvel <laughs> references and spill yeah. it out. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, let, let, let's, let's take, your top three heroes from each universe. You got Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, and say Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. Okay. Um, um, now I will say, you know, maybe maybe this was just an excuse made after the fact, but I'll but I'll but I'll run with it and trust the the brain trust at DC to say that their initial plan was to do something like this, where they introduce you to all the heroes and then spin off into a bunch of individual films, mm-hmm. but. It's kind of doing the opposite of what Marvel was doing. Yeah. But then you really, I mean, I, I, if I had been in the boardroom, I don't know if I would have been brave enough to say it out loud, but I would have thought it was a stupid idea then too, because like if you introduce everybody at the same time, like who do you care about and why mm-hmm. do you want to go see that one character again? Whereas you get all these characters and their individual motivations and put them together. And then when you put them together, not only do you know who they are on an individual basis, you can already predict how they're going to get along with another character when they actually meet them. And one thing that I think Marvel did really well that I didn't get so much, I got it the most from Superman probably. In, in what the films gave me, because, hello, he had a film b- before mm-hmm. to show us, um, is that with with Iron Man, with Thor, with Cap, in their introductory films, whether it's part one, part two, whatever, until they get to a team-up film, you kind of get a sense of what they're about. Like, mm-hmm. Tony Stark was all about himself, and then he became committed even to the point of maybe being a little bit of a psychopath to be overprotective for the world that he had created so much destruction against. So like, mm-hmm. you know, he's so overprotective, he ends up creating Ultron. He ends up you know, doing these other things. Um, you know, Cap is, we know who he is, you know, like mm-hmm. 
He stands against bullies. He he's always going to do the right thing. And he has a common affection for his for for the only person who saw the value in him when the rest of the world saw him as a 90 pound weakling, which is Bucky. And mm-hmm. So Bucky is his anchor, not only to his past, but that is always going to be a driving force. And anything that might look like an irrational decision for him is going to be a decision out of loyalty for him. And so you take that and and Thor's relationship with Loki is actually similar, except Loki is a much worse person t- to put your trust behind than than Bucky is. But um, so, you know, you see you see these anchors and these motivations and how it shapes their perspectives. And so when they're put together, you know, you know that Tony, Tony Stark, I almost called him Tony snark, which (laughs) is what I was getting at. You know, he's going to have an offhanded comment. You know, that Steve is going to be genuine and you know that Thor is going to be proud, but he's really hiding behind, you know, Mm. he, he is hiding his vulnerability behind this great wall and shield of pride. So, I mean, and, and and that plays all all three of those things play out to great story arcs for all three of them. You know, the Thor gets broken and Cap finally learns how to live for himself in, in, in a very unselfish way. And Tony does the exact opposite. He finally learns to live for others, you know. Um, and here you, you don't you're not going to care about any of that unless mm-hmm. you get a sampling of that before they all meet each other. And so, um, you know, we get some of that with Clark um, in, in Man of Steel. But yeah, when you see Batman, all you see is he, it, it really, it's really the problem where I heard someone quote, I don't know if it was Snyder or if it was somebody else, but they're like, we don't, someone was quoted in, and it actually might have been Cavill, now that I think about it, in retaliation to all the poor reviews, said, well, we don't make films for critics, we make them for the fans. And I'm like, that's a very nice John Cena type sentiment. <laughs> but the reason you make you don't make films for critics, but the reason why it looks like you make films for critics is is if you make a good film. Like um and and it's not doing anyone any favors yeah. in in the in the era of cinematic shared universes to just assume that your fan base already knows the stories behind what's going on. So yeah, like when, when Bruce Wayne walks by the, the uniform of Robin Mm -hmm, in the, in the Batcave, it's a cool Easter egg Mm -hmm. if you know what it is. And it makes you think, Ooh, was that the Jason Todd Robin? Was that Dick Grayson? Like what's going on there? And it's a lot of fun for like us to talk about with each other, Mm -hmm. but but nobody cares. There's no emotional attachment. Yeah. Not only is there no emotional attachment, but they don't go anywhere with it anyway. Right. You know? So, and, and that is just a, just a microcosm of uh, just a small example Mm -hmm. of the ways this film fails. Now, listen, um, we, we have so many things that we don't like about this movie. And so, and so in order to, to save our souls a little bit about this, um, let's talk about some of the positives because there are positives. I don't want people thinking that I, well, for me, there are positives. I don't want to speak for you guys. There, <laughs> there, there, there are things I actually really do enjoy about this movie. And I think the the first that I'd like to share, maybe we can go in a circle until we just run out of positive things to say, because <laughs> it probably won't take long. Um, I'll go first and say that um, Batman in general, um, I... G- 
<laughs> well, it's a double-edged sword because there are some things I don't like about it. But the visual presentation of Batman in combat, um, his hand-to-hand combat, and also the design of like the Batmobile and the Batwing and stuff might be some of my favorite um, presentations of him visually in action, mm-hmm. particularly at the end when um, he rescues Martha. Like yeah. it's a very Arkham Asylum PlayStation moment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where he just goes off on the whole room and it's really, uh, it's really satisfying. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, so I'll, I'll say that element of Batman, there's, there's other things about Batman's element of the film because it really is more his film than Superman's film in a lot of ways. Um, but I'll, I'll start with that. So uh, Jared, is there, is there anything positive you'd like to say? Um, well, that was one of them. Um, yeah, I, I, and that, and that is the exact comp is the, like the Arkham Asylum, um, games. Um, cause I played, or I can't remember if the whole series was called, was the whole series called Arkham Asylum? The, or, the whole series had the word Arkham as a shared got, term. That's, uh, it, that's the first game. The first game was Arkham Asylum. Gotcha. That's it. Yeah. Cause I played at least two of those, um, and loved those. And that was exactly what it, what it made me think of. Um, yeah, I think Batman in general, I, I did like Ben Affleck as Batman, um, even though I like the Nolan, um, the Nolan Batman films the most, of course. Uh, these, as far as the character, as far as getting the character, it kind of felt like a good balance between um, realism in some ways and still capturing sort of that essence of, of the character. So I really liked him. And, and again, just like with man of steel, I liked all the most, almost all with the exception of Jesse Eisenberg and what he did with Lex Luthor. I, I liked the, the castings. Um, and so that's, you know, a lot of the frustration there from, from me is if something is just all around bad, I can just laugh at it. Like, well, this never had a chance in the first place. But it's in in drawing different parallels and stuff. It's almost like getting together all these just perfect, expensive ingredients, just top of the line, and then like just dumping them all together and throwing them in a microwave or something. You know, um, like you 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 did not you you had the ingredients and then the preparation was just trash. So. Um, that, that was it for me. Again, it goes back to the cast and, and touching on the thing before with like Cavill and, um, Affleck and, and, you know, Batman and Superman, like, you know, I didn't, I I thought like once they stopped trying to kill each other, uh, that it, it worked, they worked, you know, pretty well together as characters and acting performances. Just like you said, it, it was the script. It was the script to me, not the. So, I mean, I get, I get why the Razzies happened that way, but (laughs) I think, I think if you put them in a good script, it's fine. So, oh, and Jeremy Irons, Jeremy Irons was, was a a different Alfred. And, and again, going back to Jesse Eisenberg and Luther, sometimes when you try different, it can go horribly, but this, (laughs) this worked like I, I loved him. I loved him as Alfred and that relationship there. Um, so that, that was another high point for me. Yeah. He really seemed like he had much more of a hands-on role than, uh, in Batman being Batman than anybody right. else. And, um, he seemed Michael Caine did a little bit with, um, Nolan's Batman, but mm. he seemed 
more unapologetic about calling Bruce out for being self-destructive, mm-hmm. um, which which I, I really appreciated too, because at his core, Alfred cares about Bruce's well-being, and has been as a child. and mm-hmm. And um, I thought I thought he did that very well in his own Jeremy Irons sort of way. Yeah, Tim, what yeah. did you like? So name, name something you like. Yeah, well, I'll first agree with both of you guys. What you said, I I, I enjoyed too. I thought, you know. Ben Affleck, I, I actually thought he was cast well as Batman and Henry Cavill was great as Superman. But just like you guys said, the script, they were just, because of the script, they were just very boring for the most of the time, you know, for most of the time. Um, but what one thing I did, and again, this is, I, this is that thing, because I feel like it's a, it's a, the first initial step in a right direction. I liked how they did use events from the previous film, from Man of Steel, to kind of create, or to kind of give the idea of, of this conflict, like, you know, you can understand why Bruce Wayne is so upset and why he is upset with Superman. And then mm-hmm. you can also see why Superman is concerned about like, Hey, Batman's doing all this kind of vigilante stuff, but I feel like it just kind of stops there. There's no, you know, Batman is, you know, at the core, you know, in the comics at the core, he's a very wise, very smart, like a detective. Like he's intelligent. Like right. he doesn't just act I don't know. Impulse. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then the same, I feel like with Superman too, he just wouldn't go up to someone and say, hey, uh, stop what you're doing. You, the bat is dead. Like, it, it, I feel like it was a very like one trick, like one note. We're just going to go all the, all the way out to this like crazy decision of like, we got to stop. Anyways, so I, I just, but I did like the, I feel like the initial kind of what, what kind of could start that, that ball rolling was interesting. I liked that they did they didn't just kind of ignore the events. Uh, and I feel like, I don't know, had things worked out better. I liked the foundation that it was trying to start with, but yeah, mm-hmm. it, it didn't last. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. You know, to, yeah. to uh, get on your point that the, the introduction we get to Bruce during the events of Man of Steel was, I was impressed. That was awesome. Yeah. Now listen, the, <laughs> the logistics oh, around, yeah. For Why sure. haven't my people evacuated out of this building <laughs> when right. we see a world engine three blocks away? Yeah. Oh my gosh! I, I, I don't. I you know, <laughs> like okay. what? But, do what? What are you talking? You know, and there's just <laughs> explosions all around. I'm like, but Bruce <laughs> oh running in, running into the wall of smoke oh. is great shot. Um, yeah. And it, and I feel like it told that was I did like that because it told a lot about him really yeah. early on. Like that was a very mm-hmm. telling moment where he just ran yeah. right into into danger like that. And that was great. And, and that's a believable reason when he's holding the little girl, like that is, that is the yeah. most bat Batman loyal emotional moment in the whole movie mm-hmm. is he is protecting a little girl finds out that his mo- her mother has been killed. That's more effective than any Martha wordplay right. you can give the rest of the movie. Yeah. He discovers uh, this girl he's holding has just been orphaned, just like he was. And he looks up and he sees that Superman is responsible for it. That's like, like that's all we need to know. We don't need this stupid yeah. Batman logic of even if it's a one percent chance, we have to take it as absolutely right. true. I'm like, <laughs> that is the worst detectiving yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah, I'm like, right. that sounds like a like a racist cop or something. What are you it, talking it sound, about? It sounds like his, it, it almost channeled in that moment, 
his um, parody of Keith Olbermann on Saturday Night Live, if you've ever seen that, where I've he just where that, he just sounds... look look it up because he just goes off on he goes off onto this rant about his neighbor's cat, and it's just that same type of tone and that <laughs> just rage and indignation, and it, it like that that was what brought back that uh, memory for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll go again. Uh, and I'm going to give one that might surprise you guys because it involves saying positive things about Jesse Eisenberg, but the scene where Jesse Eisenberg introduces Clark to Bruce, I actually really love that was ruined in the trailer. I would ruined, but it was shown pretty much completely in the trailer, which is a shame because right. I would have loved to have just discovered that scene in the movie. It was, um, it was such great, like, you know, personality flexing mm-hmm. between between Clark and uh, Bruce. Like, you know, Clark is this well-mannered journalist, but he's got a chip on his shoulder. Because, And if you watch the Ultimate Edition, you can see that, you know, Batman apparently terrorizes people in poor neighborhoods. And Clark, as Superman, does have a very least of these mentality, at, at least at this point, which is great. Um and, and, and inconsistent with him. So he kind of, you know, virtue signals at him maybe a little bit. And, and then, uh, and then um, what I love um, also is Affleck's drunk Bruce Wayne. Um, because his just off the cuff lines in that scene. And before that um, he's like, hi, you know, I'm Clark Kent with the daily planet. He's like, Oh, um, We've already made a statement. It was a library benefit or something. Yeah, we've yeah, already yeah. made a statement in support of books, yeah. you know, or something. <laughs> and it just kind of blows him away. And like, he still doesn't even get it right away. He's like, Daily Planet, do I own that one? Right. Or do I, you know, and all this other stuff. But eventually, like, once Clark cuts him to the bone about talking about Batman, he's like, Well, you know, your newspaper is always writing puff pieces whenever Superman does something. Mm-hmm. So who are you to talk? You know, and and he gets that little dig of about not trusting people who uh who run around dressed like clowns. Uh yeah. which is which is, you know, a great joke of reference. And it's the only time where wacky Jesse Eisenberg is actually charming to me. Where right. he's like, I love bringing people together, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and all this stuff. And um I don't know if it was a mild sound effect, but when he slaps Clark on the chest and you hear this just hollow, yeah. like food and it, yeah. <laughs> it's just perfect. And, uh, and, tr- and tries to shake his hand. He's like, Oh, mm, mm, mm. oh okay. No, you don't want to mess with him. You know? Yeah. Um, that was, you know, I thought that was actually all pr- pretty charming. I want to give credit where credit's due because there's a whole lot. I don't like about Jesse Eisenberg's performance either, but, but that one scene at least was, was really good. And I think it makes sense for that scene. Like you've got this little like physically sort of diminutive guy um, with, you know, these two big guys, one of which is, uh, you know, this rich, powerful, well, I mean, of course, Lex is too, um, you know, but one is a billionaire. And of course he knows um, that, that Clark is, is Superman. So it makes sense in that context for him to, to act that way. It's, you know, the other parts of the film where he's far weirder, yeah. where it goes off the rails. But no, yeah. I, I would agree. I would agree with you on that. Um, anybody else want to go? I can think of one more that I really like that hasn't been brought up yet, but I, I mean, I want to give everybody else a shot. I think I could think of one more, but it's really small <laughs> and it's something that all almost shouldn't have been in the, like, okay. So wonder woman, um, I thought, I don't, 
I think she again she was kind of existed there to be uh to kind of like um what's the word Stack I'm looking the for? Star to power. Kind of, so. Yeah, that and then also to kind of like set up, you know, future films, set up Justice League. And so I feel like ultimately she was probably completely unnecessary. But I and and and, and even what I'm complimenting, it's funny because I feel like the fight scene at the end was just a mess and just crazy. But I I like the fact that Wonder Woman, you could tell she was having a lot of fun. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like in a movie where yeah. nobody's having any fun, where, like, <laughs> everybody is, like, morose and nobody's smiling, the fact that as she's getting kind of, like, thrown around, she's, like, smiling the whole Like, she is having a good Not time. Not only is she having fun, but she never seems afraid. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that line where she's like, you know, this thing is from another world. And he's like, I've killed things from other worlds before. Right. Like, oh, Go yeah. get it. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that was actually my other point oh, was sorry. Wonder Woman. I, I <laughs> yeah. thought, no, I, well, I didn't want to be the one who said it because oh, uh, I, I, I figured one of you guys would, would bring her up too. I thought she was fantastic. I, yeah. Not one part of the movie did I think she was wasted or underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought she was she was good. I will say this goes back to them not having a Kevin Feige. Um, this isn't gal, gal's fault. Um <laughs> But um, it's kind of annoying in retrospect at the end when she talks about, you know, a hundred years ago, I hid myself away from humanity and because all they do is bring destruction and they can never work together and stuff. I'm like, well, girl, you had a whole second movie after that in the 80s now where Mm -hmm. you did not hide yourself away from humanity. So... Oops. That whole story <laughs> arc doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. yeah like, right. and, and, and that's the problem. Like, you know, that's, that is the problem of not having someone navigate all the different timelines. Cause you know, the, the wonder woman franchise is not overseen by Zack Snyder, not saying that Snyder can necessarily keep track of all the timelines in his own movies. Um, but there's no figurehead keeping eyes on all accounts to make sure that that kind of weird continuity error doesn't happen. Um, but yeah. Any yeah. other positives, though? Oh, oh, with Wonder Woman, her theme is the only good piece oh, of music in that movie. Yeah, uh, I, love I, I love it. It fits her well. It shows her, you know, as just someone not to be trifled with. Uh, it's great. Yeah, that was that was again my other positive too. Yeah, Wonder Woman, and I remember having um, that same conversation with people about what Tim just said about like, oh it looks like she's having fun, you know, and, and just <laughs> yeah. like in, in some of these uh, uh, Marvel movies where the team is working together and there's banter and, yeah, and yes. stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, where um, it just, you know, I feel like you, you got to have that to a certain yeah. extent. And, and she was the first one who really kind of brought it to this, you know, DC universe. So, yeah, I'll say one more thing, although it's kind of a retread of us praising Ben Affleck as Batman. Um, at the very end when they pull that sort of Joker interrogation room type thing where the lights shut off in Lex's jail cell and they come back on and Batman's in there with him, um, is, is, is pretty cool. Seeing, seeing Ben Affleck with his priorities straight as a character, and his vengeance focused on the right person uh, is 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 pretty satisfying, um, and you think he's going to brand Luther, and I was like, yeah, do it, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but anyway, but then he doesn't, so kind of <laughs> landed kind of soft. But he was just like, you know, he's like, I'll. He gives him the old police, you know, every breath you take speech. Yeah, um, 
So, all right. Well, we've made you wait long enough. Let's start tearing this thing down. Um, just just free for all. I didn't even write notes for it oh, because yeah. I didn't want to stew in it. Um, let's. Um, Jared hit hit me with something that uh, that you didn't care for. Um, yeah, I'll try to start with some of the the lesser points here. But yeah, we we mentioned it before. Like Jack, Jack, why did you not get the people out of the building? Um, <laughs> and. You know, did you need you needed Bruce to fly in in his helicopter to tell you that, you know, the cities that's being destroyed around you, you, you probably need to go ahead and bail on out in the other direction from the giant machine that's sucking up parts of the city and slamming them back down in an ever expanding radius. I don't know if that was Jack's job, but someone dropped the ball there at uh, Wayne Tower. Yeah, you can't convince me that a multi-million dollar corporation owned by a Wayne doesn't have an exit strategy or right. an evacuation plan. I'm pretty sure that's an OSHA violation. Right. Uh, to, to not have one in place. I mean, my company yeah. has an exit plan. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's just kind of a throwaway. But a, a bigger one that we can, you know, discuss more because there is such a, a gap between the theatrical cut and the ultimate edition is – um, basically Lois Lane's storyline and the whole storyline with, um, what happens, yes, the magic bullet, the conspiracy theories about did Superman kill these people in the desert or not? Um, <sighs> yeah. So yeah. I don't know who, if, if someone else wants to nutshell that one or what, sure. Yeah, I'll I'll try to do my best. So you know, you know, you're introduced to Lois in this film, uh, out in the desert, and uh, she is interviewing some mercenary or something like that, and it's it's not important who it is. Um, and what's so hard to describe? Well, this scene is so hard to describe because it was edited so poorly. Like, um, basically, things go wrong. Um, and in the theatrical cut, um, she and, and, uh, a person who is accompanying her, like she is with somebody and the person accompanying her is outed as an FBI agent or a CIA agent. Um, and they're immediately killed in the ultimate edition. They reveal that person to be Jimmy Olsen, who actually was a photographer, like who was Lois's like right hand man at the daily planet. But now he's like, Jack Bauer or something. Uh, I, I don't, I don't get that either, but whatever. Um, anyway, he's killed right in front of her and they take her hostage and, uh, Superman shows up and saves her, um, before, before she gets killed. And so, um, somehow at some point after Superman leaves, um, this, this, this area where the terrorists were, was near a, a village in, um, which by the way, uh, um, I, Hold on, I don't want to put. Give me just a second. I don't want to put my foot. Sure. Down. Yeah. Well. Well. While you're. Yeah. While while you're doing that. So it's right before he shows up. Is it turns out that there's these two teams. You, you, at first, you think that kind of all these people are together. Then you realize that like one faction of, kind of like almost. 80s 90s looking european terrorist sort of thing guys, um, are actually there to. Uh, to kill the others. So they kill the, the, the um, people and shoot them, burn their bodies. 
and then they they take off out of there. So you're not really sure what that's about when it happens. Yeah, and this is um this takes place in the fictional country in Africa of Nairobi, which is the laziest. <laughs> I mean, the laziest naming not to be confused with Nairobi, which is the actual capital of Kenya. Um, <laughs> It's just, just just more absurdity, and um, why they don't. I think, but I think that's also just a thing. A thing about the DC universe is taking place in fictional cities and places, um, which we'll get to that later too. About whatever the the square footage or, or mileage is between Smallville and Metropolis, but um, and Gotham City for that matter. Um, but it, yeah, is that they always take? Whereas the Marvel universe takes place in actual real real places on earth. Um, anyway, yeah. So, so Superman is somehow framed for the, the murder and, and genocide of, of these, these villagers and stuff in this area. And it brings up, and then it becomes this political discussion, which probably one of the most mind numbingly annoying montages in the movie was seeing all like, for one, all the gross like cameos of like, Nancy Grace and Neil deGrasse Tyson <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah. jo- John Stewart's in one and then like the, and the, uh, Anderson Cooper, edition. Anderson, Anderson Cooper, Soledad O'Brien is in it. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, what does CNN invest in this movie? Like what was going on? And, and I don't hate CNN either, but I'm like, this right. is just, this is gross. Um, and annoying. And so it's just all a bunch of like, um, puffed up, uh, smug news commentators being like, "Can we trust Superman?" You know, it was it was eighteen months yeah. after he saved all the. Granted, collateral damage is collateral damage, yeah. okay? But eighteen months after he saved all of you from extinction, mm-hmm. from extinction. So much, and let me say, they weren't holding it against him enough to not build a giant statue of him in the middle of the city. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that his approval rating is 100% because obviously there are people who have qualms with him. But like the news is making him out to be yeah. like how how CNN treated Trump the past four years. Yeah, right. Like and that's not even close to what Superman was. Yeah. Superman was actually protecting people yeah. and and poor people for that. Although, matter. although I will say, like, I think that's even though it annoyed me and it was it was kind of pointless it, it was it was it pulled me out of it to have it be those people those real people when um when so much of the rest of the dc universe like like even cities like we said is not yeah. real universe so that element true pulled, that element pulled me out of it yeah. as far as the way they treated him i'm like oh yeah that's a, that's exactly how it would go yeah. um because you know because it, it's just going to be this thing where you've got to have the, the conflict of like, can we trust him? The 20, the 24 hour news cycle. And honestly, like the, probably the least believable part to me would be that it would be that his popularity level would have been as high as, as what it seemed to be, even though you get some protests and you get Batman and stuff like that. Like it would probably, if it, if it's anything like our world, it would probably be closer to like 55, 45 or something, you know? And, so. But that I think, and this is I think the biggest problem. Well, not the biggest problem, but this is one of the problems that that annoyed me more than a lot of the others. 
is that okay and, and you're right jared like realistically we would be getting a lot of that from from the media in a situation like this i mean hey and and let's say we'd not not to, to be fair, they did that at the very end of the first Avengers film, too. They had a montage of newsreels being like, but it was very 50-50. It was like, hey, Captain America saved my life. And I'm like, hey, who do these people think they are? Like, who's going to mm-hmm. keep them in check? And so, which, which by the way, set lays the groundwork for the rest of the movies um, right. instead of trying to, you know, do it all in that one movie. Um, but um they ask all these questions and they spend so much time on this philosophical question right that's, that's the thing this movie this movie seems like it was written by somebody in a in a freshman intro to philosophy class <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um this whole like do we need a superhero must he be you know like uncle ben would be rolling in his grave right now for for this for this complete lack of with great power comes great responsibility going on here, you know? And, and, and it's so they lean so heavy into the doubt of it is one thing, but what really bugs me more than the existence of those questions is that it actually seems to be weighing on Superman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and in my opinion, it shouldn't be at this point. At this yeah. point in the timeline, it shouldn't mm-hmm. be. You spent yeah. all of Man of Steel with him weighing that question to himself. Mm-hmm. His whole his whole contention with his adopted father yeah. was, are you going to stand proud for who you are in front of this world, regardless of how they're going to accept, regardless of whether or not they're going to accept it, or are you going to stay hidden? Yeah. And, you know, and, and that movie ends with his mother telling him, your dad knew you were going to be ready one day when you were, and he saw that in you and he is proud of you. And so am I. Yeah. And so you see all that in him. And even in that last conversation he has with the general, it's the, it's the disposition of a Superman who knows who he is yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. And like, cause you don't just destroy a billion dollar drone without knowing who you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, um, I'm really glad. The, I'm really glad you said that because every every lesson learned in the first film was, I think, completely wasted in this film, and and it makes Superman a less interesting. He's a boring person and superhero in this film. He just mopey the entire. Even those scenes where you see him saving people, he looks really sad doing it. Like I don't know. He there's no. It's, I, it's even more infuriating because yeah. it's the same filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah right, what right. happened? What happened, yep. Zach? Like, and. <laughs> Yeah, well, that montage I thought was great at first. Like, like I thought that was a cool, like the setup for that scene. I actually thought was cool. As you know, they're in the whole, um, that they're in Lex's benefit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Bruce sees Wonder Woman leave with you know this data that he's trying to steal. So he chases her out, and Clark is walking by a hallway and sees the cooks. He sees the servants, you know, at the party for more yeah. or less all are all gathered around a TV, seeing this massive fire that's taking place down in Mexico. And, and that's the thing is that like, it's in the midst of all those discussions of like Superman shouldn't behave unilaterally and stuff. And he's just like, and that's like the last moment in the movie where it's almost like, he's like, screw that. Like, these people need help, and that's what I'm going to go do. So, you know, he goes down to the Day of the Dead. It's an interesting visual, the mm-hmm. Day of the Dead celebration. He saves and saw all these people with these, you know, 
know, Coco skeleton yeah. face paint uh, mask, you know, all reaching out mm-hmm. to him like he is this messianic figure and stuff. And, and um, you know, he's rescuing all these people. And then that montage is, it is, it's weird. It's really weird that this montage of him saving people, which are great visuals, you know, he's, he rescues that space shuttle that, that, that challenger explosion kind of looking thing. And then, um, what's the other one where he carries that huge ship through the Arctic. Um, and And that's, well, and just, just the other one is, which is the weird one to me. There's a lot of him just like, or, or a fair amount of him just like floating above people. And like when the people are on the rooftops, like oh yeah, flood. You know, it's like yeah, yeah no, you prob- probably need to go on down Start and moving. get up. You know, but <laughs> yeah. it's like right? you know, but they've got to have the image of him floating and the people reaching up. You know, as you know, to to add to the messianic figure yeah. part of it. So, but right. it's like, yeah, I don't know that he would really like stand up there floating in the in the sunlight. So <laughs> I want you to see me and give consent first before I save you. Right. It's that's like yeah. a, it's like a, it's like a boys the boys thing where where Homelander would need that for the photo op. You know. Right. So. Exactly. <laughs> And, but, the, but yeah, it's him. like his, his disposition during that whole montage is as if he can, he, well, I mean, he is Superman, but, but, but it's as if he hears the soundtrack of the news cycle in his head while he's doing it. Like, yeah. and that's just, uh, that's just a little too thick for me. Like, I, like, I think at this point he should be content with who he is and not saying that he doesn't have to confront that in yeah, people, yeah. but, but I think it's stupid that it seems like their words impact him, you know, because he knows he didn't kill those people in Africa. He knows that, you know, he was rescuing those people and stuff. And then to, to top it all off again, he goes home to Smallville and now his mom has turned into the, should I let them die? I don't know, maybe yeah. type parent. Like when she's like, she seems so bitter in that scene. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, and, there's a part of me that can understand as a parent, like when you know your child is just trying to do the right thing and everyone is trying to just demonize them for it, that you're just like, you know what, screw, screw them. Just, yeah. just do whatever you want to do, what makes you happy. But honestly, that doesn't need to come from your mom. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's the kind of advice. That's the kind of advice you get from your podcast co-hosts. You know, that's, 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 um, you, you know, you, you, I, I felt like it was missing a lot of the tenderness that, that defined her. Um, and, and that he probably needed, he needed a reassuring voice. I mean, she was like, she essentially was like, I don't care. Do what you want. You don't know them. And and you can, you can communicate. You don't owe these people anything, you know, you've, you know, you've chosen, if anything, she would say, you know, the last time we talked, you've, you've chosen them. And if you've chosen them, then you have to recognize that you are better than them and they're not always going to be grateful for what you do. Um, so you can either commit to that or, or not, you know? Um, and it's just, uh, uh, so, so yeah, that was, uh, the, the emo <laughs> Superman was just dumb. Like, he is, it's like yeah. when he goes, it's like he's joined the black parade down yeah. at, you know, <laughs> Day of the Dead. It's crazy. Yeah. Even even that scene, you know, after the explosion in the Capitol building, and he kind of like saves someone. And I'm sure he had been doing stuff before then, but he just kind of mm-hmm. like looks around. And I, maybe that's nitpicky, but I'm like, I'm sure there's other stuff he could be doing, but he just kind of just 
Oh, and then there's yeah, there, yeah, yeah. There's even a line in the news about like, oh, then he, he was saving people, and then he just left, and, yeah. and that was, uh, yeah, that was annoying. Like, you're not <laughs> doing yourself let's, any favor. <laughs> let's park on that for a second, because yeah, so so Lex Luthor masterminds a uh, uh, a terrorist bombing at the U.S. Capitol. Not at all a fresh wound there, um, but they. Right. Yeah, I, lo- I looked at that through different eyes this time. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> right. With the nine eleven imagery of Man of Steel. Yes. The cha- noticing the Challenger explosion imagery this time. Yeah, right. And the Capitol, but I'm like, man, Zach, you need to pump the brakes <laughs> right. on this. Stop trying to be so edgy, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> it, anyways. Um, yeah. So one thing I will commend the ultimate edition for, cause that's not even in the theatrical version is him sticking around to actually help some of the victims oh, wow. in, right. in the Capitol, in the Capitol bombing and the original version, I just assumed everyone died Same. except Superman because Same. you don't ever see the aftermath of that ever again. Oh, wow. So I'm just like, Oh, well they're all dead. Yeah. Um, um, so he, and so this time I'm actually glad to see that he stuck around cause that sympathized me to him nice. more. Okay, cool. And, and I do like, um, there were additional scenes, you know, that, um, we might've referenced this earlier, but you know, in that whole desert scene where he's framed for this genocide and stuff, there's one villager surviving villager who testifies that Superman did it. And she's actually been propped up by Lex Luthor to lie about it. And her conscience gets the best of her. I can't remember why, but she sees Superman do something at some point and she begins to feel guilty for having lied about him because she realizes that he's good. And that above all else in this movie, he seems to be looking out for the least of these when he saves people because he also because Clark is also criticizing how Batman seems to um, <clears throat> persist and intimidate the poorer communities um, more more than anybody else, which is an interesting dynamic that they really could have explored, yeah. and, and they didn't at all. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, you know this this woman is set to recant her testimony, and she actually gets to tell. Holly Hunter's character, the senator, the truth, but then she is assa- assassinated is a strong word. I think that's only for, for famous people, but she's 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 killed by one of Luther's mercenaries uh, in a subway. And then um, what what did what the ultimate edition did change for me is I always thought that senator was really grandstandy and smug and stuff whenever she tried to talk about these platitudes of democracy is when we have a conversation and that's when the truth happens and I'm like shut up <laughs> you know and I'm saying that all this stuff but <laughs> this time around knowing that she had already been told the truth that Superman was innocent and she actually had invited Superman publicly to show up. And then they kudos to Holly Hunter on her acting in, in, in this, in this portion, at least when she sees that he has accepted that invitation and is willing to stand before everybody coupled with her, we coupled with the knowledge that we know she knows now her opening remarks where she keeps stuttering over her words because she sees Lex Luthor's jar of pee on her desk, which is a whole nother <laughs> Stupid thing. Oh um, if it went into or came out of Lex Luthor, it was probably stupid in this movie. So. Um, or if he tried to put, put a Jolly Rancher in someone else's mouth or so whatever. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have, to have a little Lex Luthor section here in a second. Yeah. Um, 
but her her stuttering over her words it's clear that she's talking about truth and communication and transparency and stuff and now it is coming from this angle that she's going to exonerate superman you know um but that doesn't happen because the bomb goes off and then after that jared points out like the news cycle starts up again and they're like did Superman have a co-conspirator and this deep state conspiracy to blow up the Capitol? So Superman's like public enemy number one again. And guess what happens? Nobody has a conversation with Superman for the rest of the movie. So he dies without any public exoneration. So I don't understand Okay, and not because, listen, I can think on, I have a brain. I can think through this myself. And when we talk about, well, the public would probably be divided or whatever. But when you go to watch a movie, the movie needs to show you the things it wants you to know. And when he dies and then he has a funeral, he has two funerals, first of all. Um, Clark has a funeral, which is, you know, the people of the Daily Planet, um, Bruce and, and Diana, are there off in the distance, um, which I think is actually really kind of sweet that they go to Clark's funeral instead of mm-hmm. Superman's. Now that I think about that out loud, that's actually really endearing. And let me say it before I forget, because I don't know if Zack Snyder's Justice League will touch on this at all. This might have been a Joss Whedon thing. One of my favorite things that came from Superman's death was only one small conversation that Bruce had in Justice League with Alfred in that I said he, he feels – racked with guilt over being responsible for Superman's death. And he says to Alfred, he's like, you know, I told him that he wasn't a God and he wasn't even human. And it's like, and it turns out he was more human than the rest of us. Mm. Um, mm. And like, it is his, it is his death that makes that, that pulls Bruce back from the edge mm-hmm. um, and realizes what it means to be human again, um, which is the thing that we said Clark should have been in man of steel. All, you know, that is what makes him special, right? Mm-hmm. Is it's his humanity that that is given to him. So anyway, there are glimmers of hope. I have no idea if Zack Snyder's ever planned on holding on to that, or if that was his writing or Joss Whedon's or not. We'll mm-hmm. find out in a couple of weeks, I guess. I'm gonna be real sad if it's not. Anyways, yeah. um, so they go to Clark's funeral, and the military buries Superman's casket in Arlington, which is actually kind of cool, um, and in, in its own right. However. They also have this public vigil in Metropolis, which, first of all, it says, if you seek his monument, look around you, which I actually really do like that quote. I, mm-hmm. I like the that quote long predates this movie and is and is a really deep and, and wonderful sentiment for how you want to make an impact in others lives. But number one, there is literally a monument uh, in Metropolis. So that quote is a little weird. And also... Um, he, um, why are all these people sad now? Yeah. All right. Because, because as far as, as far as they know, a terrorist has just been killed. So, I mean, right. I, I don't know that, that bugs me a lot that there was nothing to suggest that this is a group of people that were always faithful to their belief that Superman was innocent. Yeah. Um, that they, they, there was no expressed loyalty showing who they were. Yeah. It just looked like a bunch of people who showed up 
and yeah. in Nirvana t-shirts after Kurt Cobain died saying, Oh, I was always his biggest fan, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and, and, and it just really rubbed me the wrong yeah. way that Superman was done so dirty for that <laughs> whole movie. And then all of a sudden the public wants to act like all is forgiven when there's no real connected moment yeah. to, to, to redeem him to the public, even though he didn't need to because he was innocent. But in their eyes, there was no redemptive moment to them. Right. It was like the line, the film wanted to arrive there. Like, but it didn't want to take the time to get there. I don't know. Like, yeah. it just, it's like, here's the thing we want to leave you. But like, nobody but you can just it, tattoo that on the whole DC universe right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was no, it was not, it did not arrive there legitimately. Like, because people actually felt that way. It was just like, oh, this is how I want you to feel at the end of the movie. But yeah, nobody. Yeah. People Jared, was the soup. Was the Superman monument destroyed? Uh, yeah, that, that was all I was going to okay. say. It was I think uh, Doomsday crushed crushed that yeah. one. Okay, so, yeah. I couldn't remember oh, if that happened in Justice. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember if that happened in Justice League or in this movie, right? Um, because there's a fantastic sequence that happens out there yeah. when Superman comes back and Justice yeah. League with the Flash and stuff. That that's yeah. about the only good scene in that movie. Anyway, so uh, yeah, huh. all right. Well. Shall we talk about Lex? Yeah, let's get to it. <laughs> the the love the love child of Mark Zuckerberg and Max Landis, um, <clears throat> Jesse Eisenberg's portrayal of Lex Luthor is special. Um, I, I think Jared, I think you were the one who said there was like a Mickey Mouse quality to it. Well, it, yeah, it's and and that's not anything I came up with, but it's just this whole. Um, like after almost every one of his lines, it's just this sort of, <laughs> and, and, and it really sure. is like, and that's, that's all I hear is Mickey mouse. When, <laughs> when I hear him talk, um, it God cannot be all powerful. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. God cannot be all powerful. <laughs> um, another yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I, I don't even know. I don't have a ton of, of detailed critiques on this other than I just, I just hate all of it. It's so weird. It comes across like it feels like what he and Jared Leto, it, it feels like DC villains are under the pressure of trying to live up to Ledger's Joker. Um, and so they're trying to make uh, all these memorable choices and and create this memorable portrayal and it, it just it's going just way over uh just way over the top um um it, it just comes across like like a, a mad hatter riddler something mix there, there's just you know and and again i mean i'm i'm fine with a, a slight deviation or sometimes even with some characters like you can you can redo it and it, and it can work well you know i don't um ledger's joker was was different than the classic joker we had seen but it worked and um you know to a lesser extent like with with jeremy irons alfred um he he's still playing that sort of same role but he feels more he feels less like a butler and more like a you know you in the james bond films or yes yes exactly um but it it works uh um in in part because they don't just completely like he's still because even though he's leaning into to that part of it or or they're going in a slightly different direction they lean into the part of him being 
Bruce's conscience more yeah. too. So it balances out. Um, so I'm not at all afraid of people, you know, taking chances on stuff like that, but it just seems like, and, and I have no idea how they arrived at this, at the decision of like, yeah, this is, this is a good deviation or, or new, um, portrayal of Lex. It, I just don't know how that ever got off the ground. Well, like, and they also make him actually like Lex Luthor's son. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a different choice too. But like, I, Oh man, there is, there is so, so much unnecessary quirkiness going on there. Yeah. It is just so weird. Um, and he just, I don't know, you know, in, in wrestling terms, Jared, it's, it's like if he was being played by the Miz or something like, (laughs) like he's just not, he's not a formidable villain. And, you know, and I think, and he's not convincing as a mastermind to me. Right. Like he strikes me as just somebody who's only dangerous because he has daddy's money. Right. Like, like he's Don Jr. or something, you know, like he's, he's, um, and, and so there's no real menace there. He's just like, He's like scrappy do, you know, like, like, right. like eventually you're just going to smack him in the mouth. It's just, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, you know? Right. Right. And, and we, we always know that Lex Luthor is no physical match for Superman that, and, and that, and we're content with that, but, but he has to at least be demonstrably smart enough and not, mm-hmm. and not smart enough to where like he knows the Wi-Fi password and Superman doesn't because mm-hmm. he's not tech savvy or something like that's what it kind of seemed like. It, it almost seemed like, you know, just, well, like Superman's a boomer and, 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 and Luther is a millennial or, or a or Gen Z person or something like, like it's almost like this, this sort of generational intelligence that mm-hmm. it almost seemed like it, it did. I just did not feel any menace or any threat from him um, because he even seemed to, um, when he was creating Doomsday, um, he seemed to kind of just not know what he was doing in there. (laughs) Right. Like he just kind of lucked out. And, and they were like, you know, here, there's a hundred thousand years of Kryptonian knowledge. Would, would you like it? And, and he's like, uh, yeah, you know, like, yeah. like how does, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, in no way feel like the only reason it feels like he got away with as much as he did is because he went unchecked. And I just don't think for maybe like the first 20 or 25 minutes of the movie, either Superman or Batman would have not allowed that to happen at, anymore like yeah. they would have kept tabs on him but I, I, I don't know even with their feud with each other you yeah. know like so uh it's just you know listen i i appreciate them shooting their shot and taking a chance and making a choice here because that's how we get ledger as as the joker that's i mean it's how we get affleck as batman i mean, one, one thing i thought was cool was their use of the voice modulator for batman because mm-hmm. he didn't have to do the christian bale thing yeah. um, and stuff but he could still have that that difference of voice sounding and stuff um so sometimes these and, and like you mentioned with jeremy irons like the, sometimes it's great to take a risk because sometimes they work but sometimes they don't and it, it did it did not this time 
Tim, do you have any any Lex thoughts? No, I'm, I think you guys said it really well. Yeah, I had the same exact complaints. And even, and I feel like with him, you know, he he kind of, every once in a while, philosophy, you know, kind of gone about how, you know, power. Oh, and, right. And, and I feel like there could have been something interesting to get, the, you know, there could have been something there, but it, it kind of comes so late and it's coming from Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. I feel like there was just like so many things going against it, but I feel like there was, there was a nugget of something that could have been really good had it been either Jesse Eisenberg doing something different with the character or a different character itself. But, um, you know, even talking about growing up, you know, there, there's so little backstory, but it's given it like the very end when he's in the middle of all this. So you're, it, it's kind of too little too late. I don't know. It's just, it was such a, Ah, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I, I think I'm with Jared and probably it, it was just definitely the least, my least favorite part of the film for sure. Yeah. His whole, um, oh, and I think that's the other thing too, is his stupid philosophy 101. If God is all powerful, then yeah. it can't be good. And if yeah. God is good, then it can't be all powerful. Like, shut up, dude. <laughs> like, like, and that, and that's the, and that's the other thing too, like that, that, that keeps him from, con- that, that the movie keeps um, I'm losing my phrasing here, but that's what keeps me from believing him as a credible psychological threat. Yeah. Right? Stupid. Yep. yep. Debunkable arguments like that. Like yep. it's, 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 um, and so like, it's just so stupid. I mean, like, and, and later on, I mean, like once he blackmails, not long after that, that dumb line, um, when he blackmails, uh, Clark into going to fight Superman, uh, actually, I think that's the next thing I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's like, and now God bends to my will. Like, yeah. ultimately, it is that maniacal thirst for absolute mm-hmm. power. And yeah. and that is a Lex thing. Yeah. That mm-hmm. very much is a Lex thing. But you get one line of dialogue for that, and that's yeah. pretty much it. it the rest yeah. of it is jolly ranchers and riding razor scooters through your it's through your a, complex oh or something gosh. and pe- like, and peach tea and peach, and peach tea. tea oh yeah yeah right you're in a jar i don't even like 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 if all the things in the movie that we could have used to call back for that's that, that was what we went with <laughs> um zach snyder's like uh, yeah you're gonna pee in a jar it's gonna be awesome it's gonna blow up it's gonna blow you know okay i can just see that um okay so batman versus superman the fight um listen Zack Snyder, one of his best, um, one of his biggest strengths is is visual action, um, and, and he and and um, the fight between Batman and Superman certainly um, certainly satisfies in that regard. It's it's fun to look at, um, but at the time, in narratively speaking, which is where Snyder seems to suffer, is yeah. by the time Superman arrives to Batman, which is just like across the bay, yeah. I guess. Um, it's like, you know, the, the, the Rams and the 49ers here. Like, it's just, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Not even that actually. No, right. No, I, I'm actually, I, I botched that. It, it's like the, <laughs> the former Raiders and the 49ers. Like it's, it's like Oakland and San Francisco here. Like it's, they're just, just one small body of water apart from each other. The A's, How, and, the A's and the Giants. There we thank go. you. Yeah. Thank you. Jared, for for an accurate sports reference. Um, anyway, the um, number one, how how is Batman something that that is not really known about, especially old Batman? 
right. who apparently had a Robin and, and all this other stuff. I will say this. This is where I think backing into the dumb geographic plot holes might actually pay off. I was sitting here thinking, how would Clark not know about this? But he's only been in Metropolis for 18 months. And apparently Smallville is in a whole nother state. Um, because I went the longest time, even in Man of Steel, thinking that Smallville and Metropolis were just like the rural part of a town and the metro center of, of a state. Like, let's say like Kansas City or something like that. I don't know. I mean, it was it's Metropolis is what it is. But But I did not ever think of... Smallville as being in the heartland of Kansas and Metropolis being like Manhattan, you know? Um, I did for a while, but the more Superman I watched, I was like, oh, it doesn't seem like it's that far away for him. And there's a line where, you know, Clark is obviously out being Superman and all this other stuff. um, And where Perry White says, oh, he, where's Clark? He must have clicked his heel three, heels three times and gone back to Kansas. So, Metropolis and obviously Metropolis is not in Kansas because there's a body of water uh, between it and, and Gotham, but um, so so maybe that would under that that um, line of dialogue would suggest that Clark wouldn't know about Batman personally, but mm, yeah, you, you mean to tell me Batman doesn't bust a few heads in Metropolis because <laughs> he certainly has the thirst for vengeance. He, he doesn't have boundaries except for the city limits of Gotham. That's <laughs> <all about. laughs> his jurisdiction. Um, oh, so he's I, above the law. He's not beyond. <laughs> I thought Joker always gets away. He just runs into Metropolis. Like, ah, <laughs> Diplomatic uh, immunity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, we mentioned this, you know, off offline or on, you know, uh, Twitter, but, um, yeah, I always thought, and, and I'm still going to choose to think of it this way because the, you know, BVS is not Canon in my mind, but <laughs> yeah. I always think of Metropolis as being like Chicago. And so it is in another state, but it's still kind of all the Midwest. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how I've always thought of Metropolis and then Gotham, as being more of a take on like 1980s New York before they cleaned up the city or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, that, that's kind of how I've always thought of it. But, um, going back to what Tim was saying about, about, you know, Bruce Wayne and Batman supposed, supposed to be this, the world's greatest detective. You really do. The only way we get here, the only way we get here is through, um, Batman being a terrible detective and Clark Kent being a terrible journalist, you know, and, and so yes. it's, it, it's kind of, you know, and, and it ties in there to what you said about what Steven said about Lex in that he's not menacing and none of these plans seem particularly brilliant. And yeah. so the only way that they work is by having your two main protagonists who are supposed to be, you know, at least Batman's supposed to be a great detective. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, I don't know if we ever really know, how great of a journalist Clark is yeah. Lois tends to get more of the credit for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and she's, she's busy, you know, working that out, but still they both have to be just horrible yeah. at their jobs in order to <laughs> fall for all of this. And so it just, it does a disservice to everyone in the, in the scenario yeah. that, um, you know, to have it, uh, make it out like Clark would not know about these things. Mm. Um, you know, that, that Batman would just so easily fall for this stuff. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's bad. And I can you... buy. Oh, go ahead. 
I can buy Clark being a bad journalist since he's yeah. literally having to drop everything at a hat to go save a ship that's run aground in the Arctic or something. <laughs> but right. detective work is what Batman does. Yeah. Like, right. you know, that's how he how he is Batman. So, I, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Tim. Feel, no, I was going to say that. Yeah, the setup to the fight, I think, is pr- pretty, pretty bad. But then even when Superman gets there, you know, I know Batman kind of you know from the from the start but i feel like he, he could just i feel like it could be if could have been so easily mitigated and right. just like hey hey you know I, I don't know i feel like something could have been done but you know it's in the title batman versus superman you have to get to a fight but i just feel like anytime it happens in the comics not that i've read a lot of them but just kind of just kind of general knowledge like it's usually because they're in a very complicated relationship and it's very like complex i don't know it this just feels so off the cuff and just so sloppy. Uh, yeah, I feel like it, it could have been it could have been avoided in so many different ways, but we had to have him fight. So okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to get to the fight, but yeah. also, all right, let's let, let's 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 dust off the Marvel reference again. Yeah, very organic and very believable and simple reason why Captain America and Iron Man yeah. are forced to fight each other. Yeah, it's, right. It's, there, there is a piece in the middle, Bucky, that Cap, that that Steve will not back down on, because that's been built over his story. That mm-hmm. is his one, his his constant, if you will. Um, and then you have Iron Man, who his his great regret is this unresolved guilt with his parents, mm-hmm. um, and to find out that the one person cap will stick up for above all others and put his neck and everyone else's neck out for mm-hmm. whether they asked for it or not is the person who killed his parents then yep. yes they're going to fight and 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 um and even then cooler heads cooler but bitter heads prevail in that fight it does not resolve it does not resolve itself in in any potential kill shots at the end like like you know steve you know, take, takes him down and he doesn't want to actually, you know, end, end him, you know, and, and things do not end well between the two of them, but, but the fight just kind of dissipates, you know, he doesn't need, he doesn't need Tony to shout his mother's name is what you're saying. And then (laughs) have that name turn out to be his own mother's name. Yeah. If only we knew what Steve's oh, mother's man. name was, we could resolve this a lot quicker. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's get to the fight, shall we? <laughs> all right. So first of all, Superman enters this fight knowing what is being held over him, and knowing that Batman would serve better as an ally than an enemy. Right. So finally, when it starts, I'm like, something's gonna go wrong here, you know. But but I'm like, great. Superman is entering this with a level head. He's like, hey. Luther is playing us against each other. You know, I need your help um, and, and stuff. And, and Batman's like, you know, yeah, whatever, you know, and, and it, he's off in the distance. So they're not face to face. So, so I can, I can buy that. He fully didn't understand. And he walks Superman into a trap, which is bullets. I mean, whatever, you know, there might as well be gnats to Superman. Right. Mm-hmm. And, Eventually, like he goes and, you know, he tries to attack Superman and he does like the big brother. I'm going to put my hand on your head kind of thing, which, you know, with his power just pushes him back. And then Superman comes for an attack again. And eventually, for some godforsaken reason, Superman just commits to the fight after that. And, I, right. and I'm like, 
why? Right. Like, like you, you were, you were the God amongst men right here. Like, like float up in the air after you've destroyed all his weaponry and be like, Hey, calm down. I'm yeah. not trying to fight you. Like yeah. I need your help. Like, what? I mean, obviously we know what the film is titled. So, so you can't not have the fight, but if you have such a reasonable solution to the fight, yeah, then that right. needs to happen. Yeah. And yeah. if you can't build a better reason for the conflict and, right. and, and, um, you know, honestly, I was thinking about this today. It would have been better instead of Jack or whoever it was going down with the building. If Robin was still alive at the beginning yeah. and, he was the, and he was the one who died trying to save people. Right. Um, because that would have been, now that would have been really close to the whole Bucky thing, I mm-hmm. guess. But honestly, that is something I would believe Batman would just tune Superman out to and fight him until he didn't have anything left. Okay. Um, mm. but anyway, um, well, but whatever, we have to have a reference to another Joker. So, um, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. The big moment is because their moms have the same name which is just the dumbest, dumbest, dumbest way for this fight to end. I mean, it is, um, and, and for multiple reasons, number one, um, Clark is, is, is a good natured country boy who was raised with good manners. This seems like Mm -hmm. a weird setup here. (laughs) No, I don't. What? Grown man, do you know with that kind of upbringing, does he call his mom by her first name? Right. In any circumstance, unless he's at the DMV or something and needs to give her information to somebody. Why in the world, if I'm on my deathbed, if I'm at death's door, am I going to say, save Martha? It's like he's going to hurt Martha. I'm like, well, what? I mean, it has to be Martha. It's the same reason. It's the same reason why his completely rational approach at the beginning of the fight right. doesn't work because we need to have this mm-hmm. moment. Um, yeah. And it's just so dumb. And so, not only that, but for all the times that we've seen the Wayne family killed, yeah, they, this film does nothing to suggest why his mother, in particular, is so important to him. Yeah. Right. So, like. So what? Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. And all, and, and, and I'll, I'll say one more thing and Tim, you can have it. One thing that really, really bothered me that I felt like betrayed Batman a lot was the, was some of the trash talk he was doing to Superman. And he's like, I bet your parents told you you were special. And he was just mocking yeah. the yeah. entire theme of man of steel. Right. And then he says, well, this is what my parents taught me. They taught me by dying for nothing. Yeah. And like all this nihilistic crap, all like right. it, it just made me go back and think about our Nolan episode with talking about Batman Begins and what a good example his parents set for him. Right. That actually encouraged him to become Batman, yeah. to, to be there, to stand up for the city. Yeah. Now, granted, you do it through fear instead of through heroism, per se. Um, but then because that's the difference between Batman and Superman. But but like his whole, my parents died for nothing. Life is meaningless. Book of Ecclesiastes, whatever. Like mm-hmm. it is, it is just like, really? Right. Like, who is this? Anyway, it, it was yeah. just so dumb. Yeah. And I feel like, and just with the setup, you know, just this one track mind of getting rid of Superman, you know, 
he was so determined. I feel like just a, the same name of mother, like that would that be, I mean, you're, you were so determined. You're so devoted to this, that, that being the thing that stops him. I mean, did he not know? I mean, did he not assume that super, I mean, he even mentioned like, I bet your parent, you know, like did he not assume that he had parents. I mean, it just felt so wait, you're one track mind. This wouldn't have derailed. I mean, it just, it's just, it's just so such a, uh, sorry, I don't even. Have and the also, words. Just when did frustrated? When did he learn? When did he learn Superman's secret identity? Ooh. I don't. I don't know if he knew until until he died. Until he, he was told him. Well, I think. Well, I think he would have known. Like once he went and rescued Martha, then then he could have pieced it. But yeah, somehow yeah. in there, like yeah. Lois told him, or he pieced it together, or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Because I was about to say, how does he not know her name is Martha if he already knows that he's Clark Kent? Yeah, I don't think he knew. I think Lex Lex knew who both of them were. Clark Clark knew that Bruce was Batman, but I don't think Bruce knew that Clark was Superman until after all that, at least until like he, you know, tracked down his mother. Right. So side piece before we continue into the Martha (laughs) and Doomsday, all this other stuff. Um Earlier in the film, Batman has this like inception of dream sequences. Yeah. Where he has this weird desert yeah. apocalyptic thing. Now, now I, I'll defend it a little bit. It's it's weird for sure, but it is a very DC Comics kind of thing. Like these the par- the parademons show up, and 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 I think this was supposed to be a little bit of an appetizer for what Snyder's Justice League was going to be, which is the sort of heralding of Darkseid um, and and other th- and and other beings like him. Um, but he wakes up from that and he's in the Batcave and he's still dreaming. I think I don't know if he's still dreaming. Actually, I don't know. It doesn't right. matter. It's not important. But the Flash shows up to him in the Speed Force, which the first time I saw it, I was just freaking out because I'm like, whoa. The flash showed up and the sound editing is so weird. I can hardly hear what he's saying mm-hmm. uh, and all this stuff, but it's actually a comedic moment. He's like, am I too soon? Yeah. This is, this is too soon. <laughs> which, which again, you don't know that Barry Allen is a comedic character yet because this is the first time you see him and stuff. Like if that had happened, like after justice league, or if you'd seen a flash movie before that, like, like, you know, if you'd seen like, Tony, like Tony had a fever dream. Well, actually think of Endgame when they all come back and the first time Tony sees uh, Peter Parker again, and mm-hmm. he's like, oh man, Dr. Strange did this thing. And you know, he gets to talking too fast. Like he yeah. always does yeah. and everything. Yeah. And, and it's like, and it's like, you know, it's a sweet moment, but it's also funny because that's who Peter Parker is, especially when he gets around Tony, he just mm-hmm. gets motor mouthing and really nervous, yeah. but they have, but he's so, you know, you don't really know that Barry Allen is a comedic character at this point so that he's cracking jokes. But what really got me is that he says, Lois is the key. You mm-hmm. have to protect her or something like that. I can't remember exactly what he says, but he, but he mentions how important it is to protect Lois and that she's the key. Not in this movie, apparently. Like right. she's so, yeah. com- and I don't mean this for you know this isn't a, a dig on Amy Adams. She's a wonderful actress, but she's pretty worthless in this movie, other than being somewhere just so the plot can move forward. And um, and I thought 
before we got to the end, one of the first times I saw it, that there is, um, I don't know a lot about TDC comics history, but there is like a story. I think it's injustice or something like that where Superman goes evil because Lois is killed. Um, and he just breaks and, and goes bad. And, um, so, you know, to, to take that, um, and maybe that's what the, am I too soon thing is about, but for that to be the whole key, you know, and then they build up, you know, with, this is a whole nother thing, but when, when Superman has the vision of his dead father somehow on top of a mountain, who, whose memory is not tied to some codex. So I, I don't know how that <laughs> happened. Um, and he tells a story about how when he was so miserable and haunted by this traumatic experience, when he met Martha, she became his world and she helped him cope through, through all the haunting traumatic things in his life and kept him stable. Um, you know, again, it's like the person that you find as your love is your anchor to things. So it's again, reinforcing that Lois is somehow really important to Superman. And he gets a little schmaltzy sappy line to her right before he dies. And that's about it. But like, but somehow the key to resolving all this is Martha instead. And so it's just, I don't know. It it all seems very messy. Um, Yeah. I don't don't quite get it. Real real quick back on the, the, the whole subject of whether to, you know, like the, the Marvel formula of have all these characters have their own individual movie and then bring them together or throw them all together within one to two movies between BVS and, and um, justice league, you know, it, it's so much more rewarding. Uh, you know, I, I think if DC was being honest, the real reason that they would say that, that they didn't do this is because they just didn't think they had the, the quality of storytellers to pull it off, to make people care about a cyborg movie um, or maybe even, you know, a flash movie or something like that. So I think they just lacked the confidence and maybe they just wanted to, you know, just rush it too. Um, And and so they just decided, well, maybe if we can create something cool with a lot of them together, then people will want to go see the standalones. But if you think about it, like even in, especially in TV shows, so many of the TV shows that I've been, interested in um have been uh these bigger stories based on books and the characters start out split up and then you you know that they're probably going some of them are going to come together by the end but part of the excitement and fun is like waiting for this meetup between them you know and yes. this may this may build over you know three seasons five seasons whatever and then they finally do and you're like holy crap it's it's happening <laughs> and 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 marvel you know it it happened the same way with with marvel where you would get like little cameos in one but think about uh iron man was 2008 and then Avengers was 2012. And so you had a four year buildup to that. And so that's part of the excitement of it is we're waiting like, Oh, how are they going to interact and all this stuff? And so, um, I I just, I I think that's just the worst again, microwaved, like trying to microwave a Turkey approach to the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, microwaving a turkey. That's actually a really good, yeah, <laughs> good analogy there. Um, yeah. So let's see. Yeah, I, I derailed this off of um. We're no, that's okay. About how how 
Lois had no real point in, in the story. And, you know, and, and, and to that, I mean, I, I think that that just does happen sometimes with, and she made complete sense for man of steel. I mean, she worked yeah. great in man of steel, but again, when you have a movie where you're throwing in so many other God powered characters, basically, yeah. um, dark uh not dark side um doomsday at the end uh wonder woman um all, to a certain extent you know the flash showing up and things like that there's just no um it, they almost should have had they almost should have tied her in more directly with bruce wayne and batman yeah. and and if they had, could have created have her do the investigating on bruce wayne yeah some somehow in the there yeah. right and um, maybe you even maybe you, you even have the conflict presented as Lex. Uh, I don't know how this would have good this would have been because I'm just now thinking this off the top of my head. But um, just thinking about how useless she was in, in a lot of ways for her, at least her storyline. Um, yeah. If you tied her in with Bruce Wayne and then, you know, maybe then maybe Lex's play would be like, oh, OK, we've we've established that Batman um, is, is really rough and that maybe he did something to Lois. And so maybe that's how you get Superman involved in, in, in that fight. So, yeah. um, there, there, I think there are more direct ways you could have pulled her in without this random, where did this bullet come from that Superman supposedly shot people with storyline, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I love, you know, they set her up as a continuation from who she was in Man of Steel um, at the beginning, because she has this this quote at the beginning. She goes, "I'm not a lady. I'm a journalist." Right. Um, which, listen, as far as lines go in this movie, it's <laughs> right. not it's, it's right. not it's not the worst. Um, but by the end of the movie, she's no longer a lady or a journalist. She is person who gets thrown from buildings, or drowned in wells. Or, you know what, she's, she is, she's a damsel yeah. and like, you know, she had damsel moments in Man of Steel, but it wasn't a defining characteristic for her. Right. Like, right. and you know what, even her most damselly moment I can think of for Man of Steel, it's that iconic, you know, he flies through the rubble and catches her out of the air. And it's, it is the, the Superman and Lois moment you get in every good Superman story. Um, but that even came from her trying to be the hero. Like she was on that ship trying to help everybody else. And she right. just was standing too close to the back of the ship because she didn't want to get her face wrecked by that Kryptonian woman, you know, like, so, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that was actually pretty organically and logically played out from a scene blocking perspective yeah. um, so as to why she would end up in danger. Um uniquely dangerous to her um but yeah like oh gosh um rough stuff um <laughs> the, there, the whole, go, go ahead. ahead no go ahead jared i, I was I, gonna be transitioning but i didn't have anything to say well just just also to touch on the, the whole martha thing too you know like just random parody scenarios run through my head on that where they make such a big deal out of him just just hearing this name just hearing Martha, you know, so it's like Batman's at Starbucks. Someone calls out Mar- Martha. Uh, <laughs> he, he like drags the barista across the counter. Why did you, why did you say that name? <laughs> why did you say that name? So then the other one is 
<laughs> the other scenario that runs through my mind is like his villains all find out about this. And oh. so then like whenever he's about to take them out, they know how to just be like, how's Martha? And then it just completely throws him off his game and they're able to escape. So oh, those, are the, those, are the, those are the two parody scenarios that, that uh, run through my mind. On the, um, did, on the did any, anybody find it unnerving that Bruce's parents were Negan and Maggie? <laughs> yes. Right. right. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, yeah. they, they would given their history in the walking dead, if, if those two did have a baby, I guess it would produce something totally toxic and, and messed up like, <laughs> like Bruce Wayne. Um, it's, it's too bad. Chandler Riggs, uh, the guy, the ac- actor who played Carl was a little too old, probably maybe at that point. Otherwise Carl, like they should, they should have just oh, gone God. all the way in They'd and had gone him, all walking had dead. Him, with had him as young Bruce Wayne. Why not? Yeah. That would have been awesome. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, oh gosh. Yeah. It, it's just so, so unsatisfying. Um, yeah. and then I'm just thinking again too, like the very end, um, you get the tease that Superman's not really dead. Cause you see the dirt start to come off the, the mm. casket, which is a nice, a nice nod to the visualization of Superman learning to fly and man of steel and stuff, but, but he's still a corpse in justice league. So, right. And he doesn't heal on his own. He has to be brought back. Yeah. Right. So, 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 so what, right. (laughs) What are you doing? Is is that just to say, Hey guys, don't worry. Superman's not dead. When we do justice, we'll come back. I realize (laughs) Again, we make movies for the fans, right? Not for the critics. <sighs> oh man, man, oh man. You know, you know something else that struck me is, I, a Superman through this movie had to had to be, especially towards the end, thinking, "Please stop helping me! Please stop helping me!" Uh, yeah. Batman, Batman, trying to save the world from Superman, nearly kills him. Superman, yeah. Superman, um, uh, and then. Uh, he, he tries to f- fly doomsday into space. The government launches a nuke that stops him from getting him further out into space, causes yes. doomsday to fall back to the earth. Um, Lois throws the kryptonite spear away, but then is drowning. He has to rescue her <laughs> from drowning, uh, from the spear that she, she threw away and then, and struggles to get out himself. And then wonder woman trying to help, cuts off Doomsday's hand, and that's what ends up growing the giant spike that kills Superman. I'll, I'll defend I'll defend Wonder <laughs> Woman, at least. She was the only one who actually, like, got him somewhere, because when he committed himself towards, you know, being basically a suicide bomber on, on Doomsday with that spear, she was holding him down, and I didn't even notice this before. The only reason he gets stabbed with that, bone arm or whatever that that grows in its place is because she's holding him with the lasso and the ground breaks from underneath her um so she loses her footing which therefore loosens the grip of the lasso um but otherwise yeah no it's it, your thesis stands uh, yeah. for sure um <laughs> oh man also it's, wouldn't wouldn't it have been uh, there's probably also some version of this movie where, where they try to combine, you know, the lasso of truth with what happened in Wonder Woman 84, where 
Doomsday just starts shouting like his biggest insecurities. <laughs> I don't like that I look like a cave troll from Lord of the Rings. Why am I so much uglier than Zod? Um, I will say in terms of taking chances and deviating from the plot, I did like the idea that if they were going to do Doomsday, that they like, you know, um, modified Zod's corpse. Although I don't know why Luther's blood was necessary. Okay. I was going to ask because I didn't get that exactly either. Yeah. I don't know why that was needed to activate. Yeah. Um, do say if it just needed to be any blood or, or what, but, um, no, that's, it's stupid. I'm like that. If anything, that should have made him dumber. Yeah. Because Zod was a genius. Um, anyway, <sighs> it would have been funny if he was just like, if you had the lasso one, he was like, bro, <laughs> you know, whatever. He started right. you know, trying to force feed a Jolly Rancher to Superman. Since, you know. since we're in this in this area with like uh, Luther and Zod, this again, this is this I'm this is going more than nitpick you up, but the the whole like s- sequence where like Luther had to like uh, carve off. Zod's finger oh, yeah, print yeah. and he puts it on his yeah. own finger. Like he the body was like right there. <laughs> Couldn't you yeah. just like put it to the hand uh, or right. cut off the hand? So it just felt like yeah. so much work <laughs> to just Can, open a door. I don't know. It's I'm, just, oh. I'm still I'm still not done with Zod having Luther DNA. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still thinking of like, can God create a rock so big that even he can't lift it? <laughs> Another intro to philosophy questions. DC oh. needs a movie of, of just Jesse Eisenberg, Lex Luther and Jared Leto Joker, like having a two hour philosophical. Like discussion. My, my dinner with Andre, yeah. but with, uh, exactly. But with, uh, oh letters God. Joker. We live in a society. <laughs> oh, man. I would pay, I would pay to watch that movie. Actually, actually like, that I don't know if I would get more than like you know thirteen minutes into it, yeah. but I would I would sit down to watch it. <laughs> hunka hunka. Oh, I think now I don't remember this again. I didn't go back and watch the the theatrical cut, but I think didn't the ultimate edition also give us the added scene of Lex basically what looks like having a Skype call with um, Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That was, that was omitted from the theatrical cut when uh, after the fight is over, it just cuts to Luther getting his head shaved in jail. So yeah, when they, when they find him, he's on the ship and he is, and that, and see that also makes a lot more sense to the whole, the bell cannot be unrung. Right. You know, mania that he has uh at the end so i don't know oh, i'm trying to think if there's anything else which really... which, which but but then though I, I mean not that any of this is going to make any sense or that you know that that character is going to make any sense but his whole thing is about we don't want these creatures from the heavens coming down yeah and then he's you know we don't know how he got to a Demons come from above, not from below. Right, right. And then and then how does he then get to a call? We don't know how he got into that little, again, like Krypton version of a Skype call, but he seems then happy about it once he's in prison. So you you went from 
no, I don't like this guy who looks like us, but the over the top terrifying guy, I want him to come on down. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. No. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't understand that at all. Um, but again, like any character that wasn't Superman or Batman and maybe Wonder Woman, like they just wanted to show you so they, sh- they could say they showed you. Like, I mean, right. Steppenwolf was basically just like that flash scene and that Aquaman scene and right. cyborg scene and stuff. Um, so yeah, it's just a bunch of nonsense. And, and we didn't, we didn't, we have to touch on the fact that did Lex Luthor create the logos for the justice league members? Right. That's a good question. This was, this was a popular online debate before too, because <laughs> you, you know, Flash is not as I don't know. I we I don't think the Flash is like the Flash yet, you yeah. know, and Aquaman, I you know, so it's like he just, you know, created yeah. them for them. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I um <laughs> think too hard we'll go cross eyed. Yeah. Um oh man, I'm trying to think if there was any other any other things to think about. I chuckled at Bruce's email to Diana, like, this photo doesn't belong to you. And then he skips down some lines. It is you. I wasn't sure if that was, like, meant to be, like, for the audience or I wasn't sure on that. Yeah. Yeah. No. In in line of more stupid Bruce lines, um, it it <laughs> – it sounded like such like Lord of the Rings fan fiction or something to me. And that might even be overselling it um, is once they, once he and Clark make peace and they've decided that Bruce is going to go save Martha and, you know, Superman's going to go deal with doomsday or whatever. Um, he's like, you can, you can trust me on this. Martha will not die tonight. Like, <laughs> yeah. we just say your mom, dude. Like, we 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 already know the Martha <laughs> thing is there. Like, like yeah. you know, you can trust me. Uh, I won't let her die. You know, well, like, it just it's yeah. such a Martha will not die tonight. It, it sounds actually not even Lord of the Rings. It sounds like a Princess Bride fan fiction line right. or something. Like, it's it sounds like something Inigo Montoya would say to um, the Dread Pirate <laughs> Roberts. <laughs> I swear on my life, the life of my father, you will reach the ground alive. You know, you will reach the top alive. That's that's what it sounded like to me. And I'm like, "Uh, no, 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 no. Um, That being said, circling back around to a positive, when he saves Martha, awesome scene. And uh, capped off by a pretty truly funny line from Martha herself, too. She's like, I'm a friend of your son's. She's like, yeah, I figured. just from the look of you. Um, yeah. No, no, I think she says the, the cape. cape, the cape, yeah. Yeah. the cape. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> good, good line there. Although yeah. um, Batman, listen, I know even in the dark Knight returns, he's got, a, he's got a major edge to him. He is more violent in some ways, very shooty in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like the first, not the first time, but one of the first like big sequences you get with him. I counted and that you get this great big sweeping shot when he's at the harbor, you know, and um, he's standing on top of that crane. But you can see him holding a sniper rifle, like from yeah. the top of that. I'm like, and 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 listen, I know it ends up being like a homing beacon that he shoots out of it, but I didn't know that at first. Right. 
and, and the scope of it that it shows on screen is very much, you know, um, not thinking it's a homing beacon. I'm like, why is why does Batman have a sniper rifle? Yeah. Like, what is happening? And like, for those of you who don't, who aren't super into Batman, like, th- this is way out the window with Affleck's Batman and Snyder's Batman. But usually, Batman kind of has an issue with killing people. Um, he he can be a pretty violent guy, but he's he's not a killer, uh, except in this movie uh, and and a few others. But um, I counted after they. Um, after he shot the homing beacon on, which, by the way, what a fantastically convenient miracle that that, sh- that truck got blasted to pieces and the homing beacon still stayed on one shred of metal <laughs> that, uh, that it was shot onto. Um, the, uh, they do that, and then um, it's 30 seconds until the Batmobile shows up and he starts – just racking up the body count like it is and from an action scene perspective it is it is pretty impressive to watch but but um he's just has no regard for the lives of anyone around him and it's kind of like it's a little shocking (laughs) um when you think about batman that being said i really actually do like the um like the look of the batmobile and and uh and the look of the batwing and stuff like that too but um as that scene ends, though, I actually really like the effect of him turning the corner and slamming into Superman, yeah. and the Batmobile just goes, poof, just, just flies off. Uh, is is pretty fantastic. I, I kind of, I chuckled, but it, again, like I have a ton of jokes for this film because I've just I've got to laugh, otherwise I'll just be mad. But um, I, I this isn't even a joke, really. But I, I just thought like. And going back and looking through the at the end of that their fight again, where he takes the Krypton the Kryptonite spear and cuts Superman across the face, I'm like, man, that's dark and petty. And then I'm like, oh, he's got to pay off the "Do, do you, you bleed? bleed?" line. Like, ah, yes. uh, yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. The um, the yeah. Uh, do you bleed? Oh, well. There was another. There was another part that I wanted to mention before I finally decided to throw in the towel. I'm trying to remember. Oh, um, yeah. One other hang-up. Um, I, I, I really hate the music in this movie. Like it's, it's a shame, and it's not, and it's not really a slam on Zimmer. I mean, Zimmer has a great legacy. Of, of great music and stuff. And so this, but this is far from his best. And, and they even took the, the, the good part of Superman's theme and mm-hmm. like did this sort of inverse minor step kind of version. You hear it when he shows up in the desert to save Lois from the mercenaries. It's very, it's very kind of, um, and in, in industrial or sort of techno sounding mm. instead of, instead of orchestral. Um, and I don't like it. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. There is one yeah. moment, but it's, but it's in the saddest parts of the movie. It's during, it's during the funeral scenes, um, where they play that same Superman theme again, the, you know, the, the walking towards hope as we called it last week, where that's just on a couple of piano keys. Um, is, is really, that that's really touching, but honestly, the 
the um, emotions that that music evokes uh, is too good for this movie. Um, so it's, it just do, kind of doesn't fit. So really, really other than the Wonder Woman theme, like the rest of this, the rest of this music, if I never hear it again, I'll, I'll be fine okay. because it was so, it was like, um, it was like inception in a microwave. It was just so much like, boom. Yeah. Boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom. And it's like, Oh, the, oh, the, the, the one that really struck me, and especially when you, when you do it like that is, um, when they're wheeling Zod's body in, uh, I think is the scene and Lex is standing there waiting for it and like waving him toward it. It's, or it's one of those where he walks into the Kryptonian ship, go back wow. and watch it. And it, it's that like. It's just the the microcosm of of exactly what you're talking about there, and it it reminded me now that, now that you talk about it, I remember having this thought during the um, during the movie is that it reminded it was like it was almost like a play or something. I mean, not I guess not exactly, but it was like Phantom of the Opera type thing to me, where it's just like this. Um, exaggerated music and this sort of like stagey sort of over the top type of thing. That, that was what it, it reminded me of. It, it, just strange. Yeah. Whew. Well, boys, um, I, I think I have to throw in the towel. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to complain myself into a depression. Uh, if I go <laughs> any further, I think, um, not that I'm trying to wrap us up, but I don't know how much more I personally can contribute. Um, so since we've, we've continued to kind of pile on, um, what, what else do you guys think, um, was, was missing from this movie or failed or anything else you just kind of have that really grinds your gears, uh, about this movie that we haven't discussed yet. Nothing's going to the top of my head. Any parting shots, Jared? Uh, so many. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I just, I, I picture, I picture Bruce Wayne after, after, uh, Superman showed up and wrecked his car and tore the hood off. I, I just picture Bruce like telling the story to other people, you know, and, and, setting up the narration and, and being like, and I, I just stood there and I was like, do you bleed? And then, <laughs> and then I was like, you will. And they're After like, he flew away. And, and they're like, you said that to him. Well, yeah, you said that to him before he flew away. Well, I mean, you know, like I, I don't, I don't remember if, if he <laughs> flew away first or if I said that. <laughs> so he could so still this hear me. Like, I had a con- I had a concussion. He's got, he's got, he's got super hearing. Yeah. He, he probably heard it. Yeah. <laughs> so this is just this is just what I do, and 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 part of it is to just you know try to provide some humor for everybody else too. But I this is what I do with movies that annoy me or that I, I think that there's just opportunities to make fun of them. Is my mind just creates like all right since you guys clearly didn't take this seriously. I'm not going to take it seriously either. And I'm going to insert all of my own little funny bits that could have happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's all I got. Okay. Just taking one last mental lap around the movie just to make sure there's nothing I really wanted to address. Um, also, j- just, just, just more logic holes. 
uh, and things like it's, it's, I mean, this is, this is definitely nitpicky, uh, for sure at this point, but, um, you know, that character, uh, Wallace, you know, the guy who lost his legs in the, um, in the opening scene. Um, and he, uh, one thing I thought was neat is like before the Capitol bombing, Bruce is, Bruce is watching the hearing on TV with one of his, uh, board members and, Wallace is shown on TV, you know, they're in the wheelchair that has the bomb that we don't know about yet. And Bruce recognizes him, obviously, because he helped save him. And he's like, and he immediately asks, like, hey, his, have we been giving him money from the victim's fund? Like, he wants to make sure that he's taken care of, which is a very small moment of compassion uh, from, from Bruce in this movie. But I felt was true to him. Mm-hmm. Um but truth in Bruce Wayne has no place in, in this movie. Um, (laughs) but they're like, yes, sir. Uh, he has been, but he's been sending them back and they have all these like giant red Sharpie threatening messages, which uh, we come to find, I think are from Luther really or something, but, but, but at the same time, there's been like 10 checks at this point. And this is the first Bruce is hearing of it. Right. Could you imagine running a company and sending payroll to someone who returns their paycheck back to you with death threats and stuff <laughs> on them? Yeah. And, and they get stacked 10 deep before you ever hear about it. Like right. what kind of, I mean, and he's like, why have I not heard of this until now? And I'm like, great question. Uh, apparently you guys just wrote an evacuation plan, uh, after, after everybody died. So, uh, you know, maybe this just was at the bottom of the pile. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Bruce is not the best CEO court, you know, companies, good companies, it's, it's top down. And so when we start seeing all these problems, Maybe you're, maybe, maybe you're a great Batman, but uh, yeah, you're dropping the ball as uh, as Bruce Wayne. Oh my gosh! Yeah, well, I, I think we have um, we have overloaded our our opinions on Batman v Superman. I'm sure there's more we could say, but I'm sure I'm sure we've said our piece and then some. So uh, I want to thank you guys for joining us this evening for the episode "How I Met Your Martha." And um, if, if you have the time and the stomach to uh, watch Batman v Superman, I will. We, I think we're all in agreement that if you have the choice between the theatrical and Ultimate Edition, you will get more context with the Ultimate Edition, but you'll save yourself half an hour if you watch the theatrical edition. Um, so the choice is yours, really. Um, so uh, the, the, there, there is your your information right there. Um, next week, um, we are going to experience a, a major uptick in in quality. Uh, we'll be watching uh, Patty Jenkins' uh, Wonder Woman solo film um, and discussing that, where there's a lot more a lot more hope, a lot more positivity, and um, and and honestly, a story that makes a little bit more sense, which which is nice. So. Anyway, uh, thank you guys for joining us. Check us out on Instagram, uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, We're on Facebook and Twitter as well. And uh, we look forward to joining you for our next step down the DC Universe rabbit hole next week. But until then, and until next time, keep working on your night cheese. 
Yeah. You, you mean to tell me Batman doesn't bust a few heads in Metropolis either? Because he certainly has the thirst for vengeance. He, he doesn't have boundaries except for the city limits of Gotham. That's <laughs> yeah. it's his jurisdiction. Um, oh, so he's I, above the law. He's not beyond. <laughs> I thought Joker always gets away. He just runs into Metropolis. 